I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, the usual crew here at Husker 24-7. It is a Tuesday coming off the first ever official visit weekend for Matt Rule. Uh, we have we have plenty of things to talk about, and we can even throw in a little basketball talk at the very end uh, as Nebraska took now number one ranked Purdue to the wire on Saturday in uh, what was a pretty entertaining game. So we'll we'll dive into that at the very end of the podcast. We're going to start things off here discussing kind of the news of the day, the news of the last couple days in the college football world, and it's unfortunate news. Uh, the untimely passing of Mike Leach uh, now, or formerly, I guess, uh, the coach of Mississippi State, previously with Washington State, Texas Tech. Uh, I... I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think all three of us have sort of enjoyed Mike Leach throughout his career, uh, both with the the quotes and the, everything else that he's kind of brought to the college football world. Um, we'll just kind of, you know, throw it out there. I mean, BC, what, what do you think of when you think about Mike Leach? Personality, somebody who actually um, didn't take himself too seriously. Uh, he was great at his craft. He was an innovator. Everybody copy and pasted his air raid offense uh, from the high school level up to the pros. It's it's uh, I, I think uh, he was uh, at the forefront of that idea. Um, there's some memorable, I mean, football moments with him. I, the the Crabtree game, you can just say the Crabtree game. And college football fans know what you're talking about with Texas Tech and the fans storming the field and beating Texas. That's one of the most memorable games of um, this century. Uh, but yeah, his personality. Just that Eddie, he was sort of a, a person who uh, was very a very curious thinker. It always it, it it seemed like he wanted to know more about other people, and um, 
in an age where some coaches are are sort of robotic, he was anything but. And uh, so that made him a joy. And that's why he is so uh, revered across the college football landscape. You can, I don't think you can hardly find anybody who had a bad word to say about him. He was just like uh, somebody, everybody sort of was beloved and uh, sort of a throwback in personality. There used to be coaches in this game who had a lot of personality before our time covering it, I think. And at some point that kind of disappeared. And I'm not saying there aren't some guys still like that, but he was a rarity and that he would let his guard down and just talk about anything. And, and a lot of guys won't do that anymore. Brunt says, as uh, the show's leading expert on everything west of, uh, you know, West O Street, Pac-12 football. I, I know that you were well-versed in Mike Leach before <laughs> he ended up at Washington State, but I, I feel like that sort of resurgence for the Washington State program brought him even more kind of acclamation and, and respect from, from college football fans as he got things going. And he even made a guy like Luke Falk a Heisman candidate for a brief moment in time. Yeah, it's uh, it, like if you think about the places that he coached as a head coach, I mean, he, he was never in like outposts. a college yeah. football outpost. And I think it fit him well. I mean, you know, he'd be out in Pullman playing until three in the morning, throwing, you know, passes late into the night. It was like a, for a while, it was a nice way to go to sleep almost. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the fact that the offense worked there, it was, you know, obviously worked at Texas Tech, which is a place that, you know, hasn't enjoyed a ton of success historically. I, I think, you know, kind of speaks to the genius of his offense. I mean, it, I don't know why, but it always just, re, some of those, tech teams that came to Lincoln or that, that Nebraska played in like the early two thousands. Like I just always remember those line splits they used. They were so wide and, you know, just at the time, I, I just remember thinking like, you know, th there really wasn't a lot of mystery about what he was doing offensively, but they just ran it so well. I think when you kind of, if you really dig into the way that he even coached his players, I mean, I think he was a very demanding coach, but at the same time, I think he also, you know, was willing to give his players a lot of autonomy and responsibility as long as they earned it. I mean, you look at some of the numbers those quarterbacks put up during his time down there, it's, it's just unbelievable. So, you know, I, I think what, what will ultimately stand out, though, is his authenticity. Um, you know, he was a guy that, you know, had interests outside of football. And I, I think that's, you know, like Brian said, a little bit more rare nowadays that you you have a guy that, you know, maybe isn't in his office for 20 hours a day watching film. And I, I think guys that have those types of personalities tend to resonate and, and, you know, be a little bit more refreshing nowadays in college football, where it seems like you almost have kind of coaching robots at times. You know, it's fascinating because his personality, I think, overshadows how good he was as a football coach. I mean, this was a guy that only had a couple losing seasons in his career. I think two at Washington State, one his first year at Mississippi State, and otherwise uh, had success, you know, largely where he was at. He didn't win a division title, never really threatened for the college football playoff. But, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, he won and he challenged people in different ways. I, You guys might know this better than I would. I don't – did Nebraska ever beat him? Because he won in, in 2004, yeah. 2005. So it must have been the 2001 season where Nebraska yeah. got their one win against Mike Leach because he won in 04, 05. He won again in 08, 09. Every one of those games, like all four of those that I just described there, 
I distinctly remember all of them. I mean, we'll never forget the the 04 game, the Bo Davis game. Uh, you have the Lakeven Smith game in, in 2005 against a, a pretty good Texas Tech team. In 2008, uh, you know, I, I remember sitting at my house. It was my birthday that day. And everybody watching it is imploring Bo Pelini to go for two in overtime because you just, you know, no real thought that you were going to stop this team. Uh, and then 2009, that was the best performance any team had against arguably the best Nebraska defense in the last 20 years. And they came into Lincoln. I can't even, I think it was like Stephen Sheffield was the name of their quarterback or whatever. And uh, the guy was like super gangly, didn't have any physical traits that you would think of a college football player. And he was able to move the ball on that defense and they had success. And, uh, you know, I, I think his personality sort of overshadows like he was a good coach that got a lot out of players that probably didn't seem like they were FBS football players, uh, especially quarterbacks. I mean, the, the run of quarterbacks he had uh, that, you know, are just sort of college football names. They're not they're not like NFL names. They're not like household names. But you're talking like Graham Harrell, Cliff Kingsbury is known because he's now a coach. Um, Cody Hodges, uh, the guys at Washington State, Luke Falk. I mean, it's just that kind of game for Mike Leach. The yeah. the, two, the two wins were in 2000 and 2001. Mike Leach okay. won his last four against Nebraska. So he left Oklahoma before they won the national title. Yeah. Okay. He was there just one year. Uh, 2000, Nebraska smoked him, but he was just getting going. That was out mm-hmm. of Lubbock. 2001 was a dogfight. Um, 41-31 was a score. I watched it recently, actually. Um, and Wes, Wes Welker was on that team. I love it. We need a we need a segment where it's just you talking about what random game that you watched. It makes recently. it it makes me feel young. Sometimes I'll see a game and it'll make me remember, like you know, like you're like, oh, that was this mm-hmm. point in my life. Um, yeah, I was in college and. Wes Welker was on that 01 team and Kingsbury was a QB and they, it was 28, 28, I think at halftime ended up 41, 31, but yeah, he was a, a dynamite coach um, and a daring coach. Um, the year that Nebraska could have beat them in Lubbock in 08 Huskers were huge underdogs. And like you said, they could have went for two at one point and won it maybe. Um, but there was also a sequence in that game where Nebraska had tech on its heels and Leach went for a fourth and like four on his own 30 yard line. And they threw a long pass and that guy came up with it for like a 45 yard gain. But it was like, wow, that was also the week when he was trying out, this was a very Leach like thing. He was trying out campus kids as kickers because nobody could kick for him. And in fact, they missed, Remember, they missed the extra yeah. point in overtime, and Nebraska had a chance to win it then with a touchdown, but Gans threw an interception. Mm-hmm. So um, he was uh, – I remember in college, the Big 12 teleconference, all those coaches hated that stuff. And Leach was the one guy who, like, if uh, our old college friend, like John Gaskins, would ask him a question about, like, some fried chicken place somewhere, Leach would go on for, like, four or five minutes – and uh, that's what I love. I Even then, you're like, this guy's just different. I love this about yeah. him, that he doesn't act like he is above all this and above you. And he, he didn't big-time people. He, he really didn't. Um, he would do interviews with newspaper people at 2 in the morning um, that were not in his region. He, of course, went on the radio in Lincoln. Chris Schmidt had him on a long time, uh, weekly, 
almost yep. uh, on, you know, his show. And I used to think it was because, and I do think he had a reverence for Nebraska. Like he was one of those guys who sort of had a reverence for those places in college football that are like dots on the map that are important in the history of the game. And I think he always really respected Nebraska as one of those spots. And that might've been part of why he connected with media here. Like he did. Um, but also it seemed like he did that about everywhere you learned as time went on. He was just one of those guys who, if, if you wanted to have a conversation with him and he had a few minutes, sure, let's do it. Bronze, what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's a pretty good summation. I mean, I think, you know, I was just, I was just thinking that kind of, as you were saying, the, you know, guys that just, you know, don't big time you. And I, and it's funny that you were talking about the old big 12 teleconference, because I, I think you could kind of get a, a pretty good read on guys' personalities based on kind of how they approach that yeah. stuff. And that was only, you know, 20 years ago, but you know, guys definitely um, it, it was a different time. I mean, you, you used to be able to call a coach, a coach's office and and you would get put through to the coach. Like it was, it was, you know, a normal thing. And I don't know, it, it was always like a mixture of entertainment with him. Um, you never really kind of knew which, uh, what direction things were going to go, but it, he's one of those guys that, like I said, just had a lot of interests outside of football. And uh, th those people are always the most interesting to me. We'll uh, get here to recruiting in a second. Do you have a favorite uh, he he always had these funny stories Leach did. I mean, there's like dozens. You could probably find a hundred of them that are just humorous of him just going off off topic on something. I I retweeted one the other day that I thought was hilarious when he picked his captain at Washington State because he just said it's really just a guy doing a coin flip and is he lucky? Is he could he do that well? And uh, he picked a guy because he'd been on the Price Is Right. And uh, done quite well as a contestant. <laughs> like he bid quite well. And he's like, well, that seems like he checks the boxes for what you need out there at midfield. And this guy, I guess, had a great knack for winning coin toss and stuff. But uh, the, what made him bri a brilliant storyteller, of course, is he could take a story like that, which you hear a lame guy like me talk about. And you're like, yeah, OK, that's kind of funny. But he would stretch it out to like a four minute yarn. He had that gift almost like. Norm McDonald, one of his last tweets was quoting Stephen Wright, who's sort of a, a dry comedian, um, you know, who could stretch. Uh, it, that kind of makes sense because he was he had that sort of humor or he had a dry, a dry person, dry humor, I guess you'd say deadpan delivery. Um, but you just knew when he started a story, he would take you somewhere pretty good by the end of it. It might take five minutes, but you enjoyed the five minutes. He, he had another one. I, th I think it was early in his time at Washington state where he was asked about like a mascot battle between yeah. certain, uh, <laughs> that, that one was pretty good. He, that story you mentioned about, um, the coin flip, he, he kind of had like a quick aside in that mm -hmm. story about how one time against Nebraska, uh, basically somebody screwed up the coin toss and, and he ended up not getting the ball in either the start of either half. Yeah. Which year was that? I think it was the 70 to 10 game. Someone looked it up and Nebraska got the ball to start both halves. 
and he was kind of classy. He didn't say they won by six. He just said they they handled their business. But (laughs) he didn't get into like, why did they play Bo Davis the entire second half or anything like that? Um, But yeah, I guess it was funny the way he told it, too, because the coin was not a heads tails coin. It was one of those like you know commemorative coins. commemorative coins, yeah. And he he described it as a coin that was very special to this referee. Like I'm sure it was something else, you know, like an honoring someone. But he was talking about how it was this this ref's lucky coin that we had to use and all this stuff it had like a building or some plant on the other side. No one knew what was what. And uh, anyway, Texas Tech misunderstood, I guess, and they wanted to defer, but the way they said it was like we'll kick. Um, which I think, you know, if you say we'll kick a, a ref who's really holding you to the letter of the law might say, OK, you're, well, you're you're kicking both halves if you don't use the proper lingo. So I believe that's what happened. OK, yeah, I, I wondered if that was which game it was, because the, the, the clip I saw never actually referred to which game it was. I think it was 70 to 10. Well, someone will have to <laughs> double check that. So that if that's true, Nebraska lost by 60 points in a game where they started the ball with, with the, the half with the ball. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, it's a. I feel uh, obviously our our thoughts and prayers to his family. That's uh, it's crushing, and you know everybody. The thing that when someone is special like that, uh, it speaks a lot to him. Is when everybody kind of feels like they're his, like that guy's their uncle. <laughs> you know, like that that guy is someone you know, and that's the way Mike Leach was. People felt like they knew him, kind of, and that's a that's a rare quality and a, a special quality. Schaefer uh, took a quick detour on us uh, with some com- some computer tech issues there. He froze Dude. on us like the abominable snowman yeah. and Rudolph there. Earl- yeah. Earlier, I was waiting for him to jump back in, and he just sat there and looked at me. Um, <laughs> and he's back. There he is. <laughs> we were still we, talking about Mike Leach. Yeah, we, did, we just finished up on Mike Leach. We were getting ready to pivot into recruiting. Yeah. So that's that a perfect. well. Perfect timing for you to yep. uh, to segue us into what the weekend was. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, well, Nebraska's, what, picked up five commitments now uh, under Matt Rule. So you've got Bryce Turner. You've got uh, um, Sincere Safuya. Brian, is that how it's pronounced? You talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I, the, you're acting like I know. Sincere. I just called him Sincere. Hey, okay. Sincere. I just said his name fast. That's what you do when you're not quite. And I people do that with my name, too. Just say it fast. And if you don't know how to pronounce it. Christopherson. Very tricky. Everyone. Uh, so people everyone go. People go Christopherson and all that. Yeah. Sincere is what I call him. Though. Christopherson. 
Yeah, people what? do that. Wow. There, there's people take it different routes. You ever call Mike Brunt? All the time. Really? Huh. Well, I never would have imagined either of you would deal with name mispronunciations. Yep. Makes me feel yep. better as I botch 90% of Nebraska's recruiting classes every year. Uh, okay, so who else? Um, Marco Ortiz, uh, the long snapper. Yep, we got, and... we got Marco Ortiz, Bryce Turner, Quinton Ives. Yep. Uh, Kai Wallen, junior college and yep. edge rusher. And uh, Sincere Safiula. We're going with that's, that? I think that's good. Okay. Safula. Those are your five as of uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, and they're certainly going to be trying to add some more, kind of as they as they move forward. Let's let's stick with the commits to start with. Anybody particularly jump out for you there? I know we've all talked to different ones in that group, uh, but we'll start with Brunts. Like who stands out for you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think you know Kai Wallen is probably the more interesting one to me, just because you know he's a junior college guy. Um, you know, had kind of we we talked on Friday about his interactions with Nebraska, how it started in October um, amid the the coaching uncertainty. Uh, The thing that kind of stood out to me when I talked to him was, you know, a, um, you know, you've got a new coaching staff, but it's, it's uh, Terrence Knighton has done a ton of work there in in recruiting him And, and just, you know, they, they clicked, um, from the, the time they started talking, they, they went in home with them last week. He sets up official visit. Indiana had kind of always been there in his recruitment, and he and his family decided that they didn't even need to make that visit, and he committed. So, um, you know, 6'6", 240, he's kind of got the size that I think will play pretty well in a, a 3'3'5 and, and mixing and matching fronts. So, um, you know, I, I think that was an important get for Nebraska because – you know, if, if you're going to have to have guys that can kind of be hybrid defensive players, um, I don't know that there's a ton of those guys on Nebraska's roster right now. So I think that's that, that was an important one uh, to kind of get somebody in the fold, somebody that's going to be here in January to go through uh, conditioning and spring ball and a guy that has four years to play three seasons. So I, I think there's a lot to like there. And, uh, you know, I talked to him yesterday. He was pretty fired up about everything he saw um, that, that was pretty obvious from his, from the interview. Yeah. Brian, what about you? I'll talk about sincere. Cause I, <clears throat> I spoke briefly with him. Um, interesting commit in the fact that uh, he hadn't been here yet. Um, it's coming, co- coming in this weekend. Um, you kind of wondered if he'd hold off uh, because last week when we t- spoke to him, he was going to go to Vandy uh, the middle of the week. And he's from that Nashville area. That's where he played uh, prior to going to IMG Academy. So you wondered if they could be a player. Um, so it kind of looked like Vandy, Nebraska. He's not one of those recruits who, if you look at his list of uh, schools that were targeting him, is going to knock anybody over. Uh, if you look at his stats at IMG Academy, uh, he's he's a long corner. And he also uh, he had seven picks. Um 11 pass breakups uh, showed he'd put his head in there and had 43 tackles. So he had a really good year um, at IMG Academy, which is, is not anything to just uh, gloss over. So um, just a guy they, they targeted uh, right away that first 
week and Evan Cooper uh, connected to him. Uh, he talked about how passionate Evan Cooper is about just like being in the program and how they're going to change things around here. And it really resonated with him. So um, he's not going to be a guy that's a, a big star guy. You know, he's not going to make your rankings jump a lot, but it, it's one of those examples where this staff is trusting their evaluations and uh, obviously had pegged him as a guy early on, uh, put the offer out. Uh, we don't care what his other, what his list looks like. We believe he's a player. Yeah. He kind of, um, before it, it came out that he was going to be a boundary corner, I kind of almost saw a little like Kyron Williams uh, with him a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got the prep school thing about the same sort of build, a guy who's a, a pretty good athlete that maybe isn't an elite athlete, but just is long. Uh, and and so that that's sort of what I saw. The corner thing is really interesting. Kyron Williams, underrated Nebraska career, I feel like sometimes. Uh, all right, I'll talk about Bryce Turner and and Quentin Ivis. Um, both of those guys are are the same to me. They're they're both bets on development. They're bets on things Nebraska can't necessarily coach up. Uh, they're you know with with Bryce Turner, you've got a guy who's just a burner and elite speed. You're you're not going to see that speed everywhere. And so they're going to take that shot. I mean, it's a very raw football player. It's not a guy that I expect is going to play in 2023, but it's someone that, you know, two years, maybe three years down the line, you and it clicks for him. You could have a guy that could really help you as a wide receiver. Uh, the thing about Turner, he could also help as a gunner. He could help in the coverage units. He can help, you know, as a special teams player. I, I think that's sort of where maybe it starts off. And then you see if, if you can use that speed. You know, in a similar way to how uh, how the Rams use a guy like Tutu Atwell or, you know, just a really, really fast player that you're not necessarily going to get the ball to a half dozen times a game, but you might have a handful of plays every week that is sort of set up in the right situation that they can be a big play specialist. And, and I think Bryce Turner has that sort of potential. And then, you know, with, with Quentin Ivis, you're talking about a big frame, someone that has carried the ball a lot as a running back in high school. He's clearly comfortable with the ball in his hands. Doesn't have elite speed, but he's got good athletic upside. And EJ Barthel really liked him. I mean, I think UConn was certainly interested. Uh, it's it's kind of, you know, interesting. Nebraska basically is the option for Quentin Ivis that isn't, you know, Monmouth or the FCS right now. And they're, they're betting on their development track record. And if it doesn't work, this is a guy that enters the portal, uh, you know, in a couple years and, and Nebraska moves on from it. But if it does work, you've got someone that you, you know, has a big frame could be an offensive upside player for you. And you're just seeing if your development and your system and your strength and conditioning uh, can bring something out of someone with a frame that you already like and, and ball skills that you already respect. Marco Ortiz. I don't know much about him. Uh, we're talking about a long snapper. I think he's, primarily will replace a guy like Brady Weiss, who Nebraska had walk on last year, Georgetown uh, transfer portal guy. Um, you know, I think he's got one, one year of eligibility. Is that right? He has, he could have two, but that's not his plan. He's, he's entering his six year of college football. So I, I said, you could get a medical waiver, right? He's like, and he kind of laughed. <laughs> I mean, he said, if that, if it worked, if that's the way it's designed to be, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain that. But um He's an interesting story because uh, he's got a twin brother who's also a long snapper trying to make it in the pro ranks right now, played four years at TCU. Uh, Marco Ortiz played at Florida, earned a scholarship there in that position. I think what that one shows you is this staff 
some staffs will treat that long snapper spot as we're going to find a walk on or somebody on this roster who can do that. Um, but we're not going to use a scholarship on it. Maybe that's not as important as it used to be as our rules change with the 85 and stuff like that, but that they are going to spend a scholarship on him. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. And, um, Bush, he, he hit it off with Bushini and, uh, um, Ed Foley. He says Ed Foley's NFL schemes in his time at Carolina impressed him. And he wants to know about stuff like that with, you know, how to protect and, and, and all that stuff, uh, at a, with NFL knowledge. So, uh, Ed Foley really, uh, connected with him. Real quickly here as we're, we're about to end things. Um, give me Brunt your, your biggest takeaway from Nebraska's first visit weekend. We hit on the commits. Anything else jump out to you? Uh, just little things I picked up here and there that were kind of interesting to me. You know, I, a couple of guys I heard from mentioned that, you know, Nebraska basically walked, like put on the hard hats and walked them through the new practice facility. Um, you know, just to kind of get a sense of just how big that thing is going to be, where things are going to be. So there, you know, if you're not down on campus regularly, I think it's, you maybe forget how far along that building is. I mean, the thing's going to open in June. And um, as I said last week, it's it's a building now. You, you can walk through things. Um, it, it looks pretty impressive. And, and, you know, that's kind of another thing that if they can kind of sell to recruits. And, <clears throat> you know, one other thing that kind of came up in, in Kai Wallen's interview was Matt Rule's wife spent a lot of time with recruits' families this week. And the, he mentioned specifically that that was, you know, the conversation that Matt Rule's wife had with his mom um, was, was really important, I think, and the, the family kind of feeling good about what Nebraska had to do and, and things that were going on in Lincoln and, and kind of the direction the program was going to go. And I, I don't remember hearing that a ton um, in, in the past for, from recruits about, you know, talking to the coach's wife and um, kind of get, being around the family and rules kids were around, I guess, for, for some of the visit too. So, um, you know, little things like that, I think are kind of pushing that family feeling that Matt rule was kind of talking about in his opening press conference. What about you, BC? Uh, that's Brunson's story. There's pretty interesting. Um, I agree. Yeah. The, uh, the facility thing though, um, he mentioned Kai Wallen saying it. Marco Ortiz said that too. And Marco Ortiz, I, some people dismiss it. They're like, Oh, the long snapper said that, whatever he was at Florida. Uh, they just built a new facility. Um, and he said that he hadn't seen anything like it, like to what Nebraska is going to have. And I mean, the, the fact that that's a real, uh, tool now. I, I think it was a kind of a tool like a year or so ago, but it's not the same thing. Like if you're coming in and you're looking at a, a blueprint or, you know, this is the drawing of it, you're like, oh, that looks pretty neat, but you can't really, I don't know. You can't grip it like you can when you're, when you have the hard hat on, I believe the hard hats, maybe that the, uh, O-line wore, uh, remember the o <laughs> Hopefully they had shirts on. <laughs> yeah, hopefully these guys had shirts on. Remember that poster with the alignment and their shirts Oh, I do. Yeah. I was going to make that joke, and I'm a little disappointed oh, me to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No. Credit to you. But, uh, yeah, that facility, that, that's – we we need to get really on that. Like, to, I think it's going to be a huge deal, like, with recruiting. Like, I, I, I think in this era when not everywhere are people actually building stuff right now, 
for a while that was a given like every there was this facility arms race and of course they're building over here and everybody's doing stuff and there are places where that's happening but not everywhere so the fact that nebraska has that element to give to recruits is going to be something i think that matters on occasions because those guys as you know spend like their entire day over there so you want to feel like this is a place i can live in uh sort of when it's football season yeah absolutely i'll uh, i'll finish up here i mean one of the one of the big takeaways I have, and I don't know if you guys have sensed this from the stories or not, too, but Terrence Knighton has really kind of hit the ground running as a recruiter. I mean, I know Brunt's talked about him with Kai Wallen. Uh, I know that the the coach at Manor High School has been pretty impressed with his two conversations, one in person, one over the phone. Uh, and it just seems like Elijah Judy. Elijah Judy might be the best example, the Texas A&M transfer portal guy. He basically said he feels like Terrence Knighton's one of the best coaches he's connected with uh, because of his age. Like he's a guy that's not that much older than these recruits. He's a guy who's played in the NFL. He knows Matt Rule in a level that these players hope to someday. I, I think that's something that's really valuable. This is a guy who's coached by Matt Rule, uh, works now with Matt Rule, worked with him in Carolina, is working with him in Nebraska. So I, I think that as Nebraska goes out and recruits these edge rushers, these defensive linemen, They've got a guy that could be a real asset for them in recruiting uh, in a way that maybe they haven't had from a defensive line coach in a while. I mean, I I go back and I, I think about who I've covered, you know, throughout Nebraska's run over the time that I've been involved in the media. And honestly, I and you guys feel free to correct me. The best recruiter they've had along the defensive line or that's been a defensive line coach, probably you have to go back to John Papuchas, right? Like, I don't. I don't know that anybody that's followed, whether it's Hank Hughes or John Perella or Mike Dawson, Tony Tuyoti, Mike Dawson again. I mean, I, I just don't know that any of those guys were, you know, really high end recruiters. And John Papuchas was. I mean, I think he was a very good recruiter at his time. Uh, he's involved with a number of guys that Nebraska was able to bring in. And I think Terrence Knighton has a chance to, to really give Nebraska a boost there. And uh, just based on the, the the feedback I've gotten over the couple of weeks that he's already been on staff. Yeah. One, one other guy that I think fans need to be very aware of is Omar Hales. Um, I, I've heard. Oh, I think they're aware now. But but I mean, I, I every recruit that I talked to after that junior day was was he was one of the guys they mentioned. And, you know, he, he's been very involved in, in the on campus stuff. Um, he was actually, he was on the road too a little bit last week um, as well as Nebraska continues to kind of put together their staff. So I, I, you know he's not a full time assistant, but a guy that is definitely um, you know resonating with recruits right now. These first couple of weeks they've had visitors on campus. We are uh, brunch. We're up against the the time that you needed to get out. Do we still have a little time to dive into some hoops? Do you want oh. BC and I to cover it? I, I will delay my departure for hoops. I want to hear. I want to hear some hoops. All right, Brian, you were there. I was there. I'll I'll talk about it from my end of things right. first. My my seats now in in PBA. I've moved like three times in the last three years. Are now in the section right next to where the, the recruits are going to be. Um, and it was for me. It was sort of interesting. The game kind of starts. And then all of a sudden, you just have this flood of bodies walking up from the floor level. And it's like, oh, there's Terrence Knighton. There's uh, there's Omar Hales. There's EJ Barthol. There's Malachi Coleman. 
there's Matt Rule, there's Malachi Coleman's parents, there's Elijah Judy, there, you know, and you're just like, oh, there's Tony White. Like you're just watching them all kind of come up. Uh, they filled a huge section of that um, of that you know area for for Pinnacle Bank Arena, and people were really into the game. I mean, I I know from talking with Elijah Judy and talking with some of the recruits that were there. They really enjoyed just uh, the atmosphere at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And a lot of that has to do, and as someone who, you know, really, I can kind of count, I think, on one hand, the, the last few years, it was certainly in the Fred Hoiberg era, you know, times where that building was rocking. Saturday was a lot of fun, Brian. I mean, I, I like mm. the energy in that building was really good. Nebraska's defense is sort of uh, stylistically, it's not my favorite basketball to watch. But I think the way they play defense, the energy, and and having some guys like Tominaga and and Sam Grisell, who are are kind of, uh, you know, ex- have big expressions uh, when things are going well. Like it, it, the building fed off of that. And then of course, Kase pulls up for that three pointer to cut it. I think to to like a one score game, and the place just exploded. And the the atmosphere was as good as Fred Hoiberg could have wanted. Nebraska basketball played very well, toe-to-toe with a, a, the number one team in the country right now in Purdue. And quite frankly, Brian, I felt like they they had the better chances to win that game, both in overtime and at the end of regulation. Yeah, and the environment not only impressed uh, football recruits, but I should mention uh, Baye Ndongo, who's a 6'10 um, forward out of Colorado prep. Uh, if you watch his tape, he's he's fluid. He's, he's fun to watch. So... Um, he would be a good get, and uh, it was the perfect game to to put on display for him as far as the environment at PBA when things are really interesting. Um, that's what jumped out to me the most. It felt good to be in PBA and have that that moment again where yep. uh, when they made that 10-0 run, it was 45-31. I don't think that folks had checked out on the team, though. I, I think there is a sort of like, let's give these guys a chance to fight back feeling with the fan base because they even at Indiana on Wednesday when they didn't have Sam Grissell um, they they fell behind in that game by like 22 at a point and they clawed back to like eight or so and and they've shown that they can kind of not they aren't just going to accept this is the result and so I think the fans gave them a chance there was that 10-0 run and um, it's unfortunate uh, that we still have refs anticipating foul calls um, like happened with 12 seconds left in overtime where uh, Purdue flat out turned the ball over and Nebraska would have had it with a chance to uh, to maybe take the lead and, and win it, but they call the foul and, and Purdue escapes by three. But I think they're playing to what their strengths are. They know that they have to give up some shots sometimes to take away other things in the paint, but they're not going to give teams both. And they're doing very well at – Xing out certain parts of another team's offensive game plan. They did a heck of a job on Edie. I mean, I know he had 17 rebounds and blocked seven shots, but that guy's Goliath. And I mean, they, they held him to 11 points and he'd scored 20 plus in eight straight games, uh, dominated Duke. This team dominated Duke. Um, so, I mean, that they got to go beat K state now though. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's one of those games Saturday night. You've got something kind of in the air. People are like, all right, come on, let's, let's, let's make a move now. If they could beat K-State, and that's not going to be an easy game in Kansas City on Saturday, um, they have a game they should win after that, and then your 8-5 and five in conference play begins for real 
And the way the Big Ten gets respect in the postseason, I'm not trying to make a March Madness prediction or anything like that. I'm just saying that um, if you can win, if you could be a type of team that wins like seven or eight, you if they can get to the 500 mark, they would get an NIT bid, you know, with with what how the Big Ten is perceived. And I, I think at least right now, I at least am like kind of sitting up in my chair and say, OK, let's let's give it a look and see what happens. Completely agree with, with what you laid out there. And, and I might be projecting a little bit because it's the case for me, but I, I feel like the fans enjoy this team quite a bit. Like, I, I think, you know, you've got Derek Walker, who's really been impressive since he's been able to play again. And then, you know, with Sam being a local kid, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm there. And then I don't know that you're going to get that version of, of um, Kese a ton. But when he's on, I mean, he just provides such a scoring punch uh, that, that can really kind of pull this team over the finish line sometimes. So uh, I, they're definitely a more viable team in Big Ten play than I would have thought. And I, I mean, we're saying that in their own, too, obviously, with the losses to Indiana and, and now Purdue. But they're, they're going to definitely push some teams. I think it's going to be a tough battle, though, to get to, to NIT yeah. eligibility. They're, they're so going to have to go out. What is it? They have to go eight and 12, basically, if they, they get this win against Kansas State and Queens. Yeah, they would. You'd have to get to eight to get to, yeah. to be 16 and 15 if you beat K State. And then, you know, you probably got to win a game in the tournament just to stay above five. Their schedule there. is brutal. I mean, yeah. they, they, they played more quad ones than anybody in power five to start. And uh, it's, it's too bad they didn't have Walker. Um, a little earlier. They I think have, that St. John's game might have went a little different if you get I walked. do, too. I do, too. And people say, well, they lost by 20. But Nebraska, they led at halftime by eight. They came on. They came undone because they didn't have – Walker's a calming presence. You see yep. it when the ball goes through them, and, the, and they just handle stuff a lot better. And that game wouldn't have got away from them like it did. It would have been very interesting. So um, they need to have Wilcher – and Tominaga, they like trade off nights though. Like one has mm-hmm. a really hot night, and then somebody's just zero for seven. And they they need the at least the other guy who's the secondary guy on that night. He needs to be like a, a two for <laughs> seven. You know, if if Wilcher is that, they maybe win on Saturday. Yeah, Wilcher is. It's interesting because I just don't. If he's not making shots, I don't know what he's giving you on the court. He's not a particularly good ball handler. It felt like. Late in that game, he was a guy you didn't want having the ball because he, just, he had the really bad turnover um, against Creighton. Like, it's just uh, – I, I don't know. I If he's not making shots, I could you're going to see his minutes go down, I think, exponentially because he's just not – I don't know what else he's providing you. He's not a great defender either. Aside from the Tominaga three, which was high degree of difficulty to tie it, you'd have to say they had like seven or eight looks, four on one possession. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Grissel had one lined up, you know, that could have taken the lead, and Emmanuel had a couple, and it was Wiltshire. It's just like they couldn't get that shot in regulation. Well, it wouldn't the ball wouldn't go down for him? There's like a stretch yeah. there where it just like shot back out of the cylinder, like they just couldn't get it to go down. And missing the front end of those one and ones yeah. when you're not getting enough free throw attempts always hurts too. Yeah, yeah. They, that they, way. they had chances in that game. I mean, like oh, if he made some free throws you get a couple shots to fall and that's a completely, completely different game. But I mean, that's kind of the, the story of Nebraska basketball for quite a while. 
you know, story of Nebraska athletics for quite a while. Uh, all right. Anything we want to add before we finish here? I think I, I'm good. Everyone's done. We'll go yeah. back to our pre-show banter of me complaining about the catchers that Cleveland Guardians did not sign or trade for. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that, so we'll uh, we'll move on. What you do need is more Husker 24-7 in your life. We've had plenty of coverage on everything recruiting-wise, the transfer portal, assistant coaches. We didn't dive into it. Nebraska officially hired Tony White and Donovan Rayola. They did not officially hire Jake Peach. We'll get into that on Thursday about what uh, what still is to come for Nebraska's assistant coaches. They still have three spots to fill, so this isn't even a full staff yet. But uh, we'll dive into that more. We have everything else, though, at Husker 24-7, visit coverage, official visit coverage, offers, all of it. You can find all of that at Husker 24-7. Of course, we'll have another podcast this week as well, so be sure to tune in for that. We'll catch you next time. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.